0: Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on many popular podcast hosting sites, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blueberry, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and at www.vhha.com. You can also hear episodes of the podcast each Saturday at noon on WJFN 100.5 FM in the Richmond area. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to Podcast at vhha.com. Again, that is Podcast at vhha.com. Today, we're joined by TJ Kim, a teenage pilot who has taken to the skies to deliver supplies to remote rural hospitals during the COVID-19 pandemic. Welcome to the program, TJ.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here.
0: Well, we're really glad to have you. We invited TJ to join us today to talk about his Operation SOX, which stands for Supplies Over Skies. This spring, as the coronavirus pandemic swept the nation, TJ, like many other students, found himself in a situation when in-person school was canceled, and that also meant his lacrosse season was canceled. And with extra time on his hands, TJ, who is a pilot in training, decided to help critical access hospitals serving rural Virginia communities by delivering desperately needed supplies of face masks and sterile gloves and more while also getting In some flight time. So, TJ, let's start there. If you would tell us about what inspired this idea and how many hospitals you've delivered supplies to so far.
1: Well, as you mentioned, it all started when uh, coronavirus first hit and school was canceled and my lacrosse season was canceled. So, all I really had left to do was flight training. And looking back on that time now, Landon, my school, was sending out lots of emails about hey, try and find ways to keep doing community service because it's a really big part of what they teach there. So, talk with my dad about ways to use flight training and community service. And we kind of combined that whole idea together to come up with Operation SOS and fly out some much-needed Tier 1 PPEs to the rural hospitals because I noticed that a lot of big city hospitals are getting a lot of attention and getting the stuff that they need, but some of the rural hospitals are a little forgotten about. So I wanted to make sure that they were doing okay because during this hard time, everyone needs help.
0: And your mission was to deliver supplies specifically to critical access hospitals. And how many deliveries have you made up to this point, TJ?
1: I've made nine total deliveries to, I believe, seven or eight different hospitals.
0: And those are hospitals all around Virginia. Can you uh, specify what some of the hospitals are that you've flown into for deliveries?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I've flown into Page Memorial Hospital, which was my first two, Shenandoah, Bath Community, Rappahannock General Hospital, I've flown to twice. The Carillion-Giles Medical System down in Lexington, Petersburg area, I've flown down there twice. And just recently, this past weekend, I flew down to Children's Hospital of the King's Daughters down in Hampton Roads area.
0: My sense is you've also delivered to Riverside, as you mentioned, some Valley yeah. Health Hospitals, Carilion, Bath, uh, Community, so all over the state, it sounds like, so a good distribution there. And I want to talk a little bit about rural hospitals in particular. While all hospitals had challenges during the COVID-19 pandemic, and it's placed enormous strain on healthcare providers. Here in Virginia, for example, hospitals across the Commonwealth face a $3.6 billion revenue loss associated with coronavirus. But for rural hospitals in particular, they are even more susceptible to the intensified financial challenges. What not everyone knows is that over the past 15 years, 171 rural hospitals have closed across America, and that includes two in Virginia in the past seven years. And more than half of the rural hospitals in Virginia lose money each year, and that was even before the coronavirus hit. And so critical access hospitals, which are the facilities that you, TJ, have flown to, they're a subset of rural hospitals serving remote communities isolated from other hospitals. And so while not everyone's aware of the specific challenges that rural hospitals face, I wonder, TJ, what made you particularly focus on that group of rural providers?
1: I really wanted to start focusing on them after my first flight down to Leray Caverns Airport to service Page Memorial. And as I was on the ground, I was uh, talking with a couple of the workers from the hospital. and They were just sharing stories about what working at a rural hospital is like during these times. And I could really just see how appreciative and grateful they are of what I was doing and how much it means to them that they were remembered by someone and they were getting the much-needed supplies. And so... Right after that flight, I wanted to make that. You know, the main goal was to fly down to these lesser serviced rural hospitals that are in great need, just
0: like everyone else. You started these flights around April. Is that correct? Uh, my first one was
1: March 27th, I uh, believe.
0: And you've continued, and so I think you said you've made about uh, nine trips now. How many more trips do you yeah. have planned for Operation SOS?
1: Um, I guess as long as I need to keep on flying, and as long as there's a need, and as long as I'm still able to fly. I'm going to keep on doing it. So as long as these hospitals need help, I keep on planning to go out and help other hospitals and loop back around, make second deliveries to some hospitals I already have. So the plan is to just keep going as long as my services are needed and as long as I can help the community.
0: And you make deliveries in a small prop or propeller plane for people who aren't familiar with aviation. When you're flying in a prop plane, what's your typical altitude and what's your typical flight time? when you're making a trip to deliver these supplies?
1: So it's a Cessna 172 Skyhawk plane, single prop, cylinder engine. So it doesn't go that fast. We go maybe around 120 knots sometimes depending on the wind. So it's around like 130 miles an hour, 100 to 130 miles an hour is what we get to in the sky. And altitude, uh, we pick depending on weather formation. So we pick a safe altitude to fly at what altitude are the winds not blowing super hard at, and what altitudes have cloud formation. So we pick altitudes to fly at accordingly, but normally we go anywhere in between 5,000 to 7,000 feet in the air. And some of these hospitals have taken a lot longer to get to. When I flew down to Virginia Tech Airport and New River Valley, those were a little over two-hour flights. And my first two Loray Caverns in Winchester were more shorter flights, like 40 minutes down, but They're nothing too unmanageable, so it's really great to get out and explore the state, too.
0: And you've been flying for about two years now, TJ. You're 16, if I understand, and you first started flying because your father got you flying lessons as a gift for your 15th birthday. I wonder, what is it about flying that speaks to you personally? And and I know, as we mentioned earlier, doing Operation SOS (laughs) is you've incorporated that into your flight training. So how much more training have, do you have to complete before you're certified as a full-fledged pilot?
1: So I can test to get my private pilot license. Next year when I turn 17 is when you can take your check ride or your license test. And before that, you have to meet a lot of different hour requirements. Like you have to fly 40 hours minimum, just total airtime. But then that gets broken up into flying at night, flying using just your instruments. For example, if you are in a cloud, you're flying just based off your instruments and not your sight. So you get instrument time. And so the time 40 hours gets broken down into a lot of different ways. So it's not really a strict 40-hour rule. It's more of you need to progress through everything, make sure you're comfortable and meet all the requirements for the individual different things. And one of them is cross-country flights, which is what all of these missions have been, which are flights over 50 miles. And so that's kind of how these flights started. I was talking to my dad and he was like, we can get good cross-country hours by doing these flights out to these uh, rural hospitals. So it's been a great way for me to progress in that stage of my training.
0: Well, you're multitasking. You're getting some flight time training for those longer distance flights and you're doing a good deed. Since you began the Operation SOS mission, your good deeds have attracted a lot of attention, including positive media coverage from the Associated Press and NBC Nightly News, and even an invitation to the White House from the president. What have those experiences been like for you?
1: Oh, uh, Those experiences have been like so surreal. When I went to the White House, I was just taken aback by like, how everyone else there was helping serve their community and how I was helping serve my community. And so how we all kind of came together and we were honored by, uh, the president. So it was a very surreal experience. Like I still couldn't believe what happened even after I got in the car and went home. And I was just so surprised. I saw it, um, on the news afterwards and all my friends texted me. And it was just a super cool experience to be a part of that. And uh, being on the news too, doing a lot of, uh, news work, like interviews when I land, sometimes I have to do interviews on the ground. And it's just been great, like helping out. The hospitals and the news locations want to cover that so I'll definitely do interviews for them and the story breaking like how it's been is just something like I never expected to happen and dealing with all like the news coverage and stuff like that has been really like humbling for me to showing that like I'm being like portrayed as like a huge like public good figure and I'm just really trying to like help in any way that I can.
0: Well, we're glad that you have generated some positive news coverage uh, during a challenging time across the country. Before we go, TJ, I have a few other questions for you to give listeners a bit of a sense of who you are beyond your aerial exploits. The first question is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: The best piece of advice I've ever been given is by my dad. He said, it takes a community to serve a community. And that's something like I've really taken to heart, especially during this time where I'm the one out in front, you know, flying all to all the hospitals. And I'm like the front man, but it's really the community behind me that's been giving me all the support. Like it's my local area where we source supplies. It's my family. It's my friends. It's my school. It's my church. They're all helping and they're behind me supporting me. So learning how to like appreciate the community that's behind you, allowing you to go out and help other communities. It's really something that. I've learned through doing this.
0: Well, as they say, it takes a village, and that is good advice. The next question, TJ, and this is an entirely imaginary premise, so let me preface this by saying that, but in the hypothetical scenario that you were on death row, what would you want your last meal to be?
1: Oh, my last meal Um, would definitely have to be a big steak, probably like maybe a ribeye, and might need some fried chicken in there too.
0: Okay, and how, how do you like your steak prepared?
1: Uh, medium rare i don't think there's any other way
0: to eat it gotta have a little pink in there and then finally tj if you were stranded on a deserted island what one book one album and one movie would you want to take with you to keep yourself company we will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice so other than that what are your three entertainment survival kit picks tj
1: well, my movie would have to be uh, Top Gun. That's the movie that really got me into the whole Navy aviation world, and it's a great movie, I'd watch it all the time. So I would definitely have to pick that as my uh, one movie.
0: And are you looking um, forward to the, uh, the sequel of Top Gun?
1: Oh, definitely, yeah. It was supposed to come out this summer, I believe, but then they pushed it back to the winner. So I'm very excited to see that.
0: Okay, so we've got your movie. What about your book and album?
1: Um, Book, I would have to say one of my favorite books that I've read um, was American Sniper. I really enjoyed the book, like reading about the war stories and everything that he was able to accomplish, and he talked about SEAL training and stuff like that, so it was very interesting to read, and I saw the movie too, and it was a great book that I read from time to time, so that would have to be my one book and my one music album that's really hard because um i do listen to a lot of music but if i had to pick one album i like post malone so probably one of his albums i like um hollywood bleeding is a very good one that i like to listen to and all of his albums are good so i like his music
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing those picks with us. And with that, that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. And thanks to our guest, TJ Kim, for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me again. Awesome. to talk to you.